This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine, grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibrations stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two, one. What is up all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl, Sapphire. Another episode of Sapphire's Airplay, and... Let me just tell you, I am falling in lust with my guest already, her beauty, her essence, and I just love the confidence that she shares, especially on social media, especially in such a uh, trivial time, as we have talked about on Sapphire's Earplay loads of time, talking about war on sex, talking about how women and women who exceed exude more sexuality sometimes find themselves silenced for no absolute reason so without further ado i'd like to introduce you to my very special guest today isabel (laughs) isabel uh, miller look at me i'm already stumbling over my words beautiful women (laughs) stumble over the words isabel miller an ambitious model content creator and she's an influencer based right here in la which is awesome and gosh i love how Your people even told me, they're like, you're not just a model or a talented content creator, but you also like to share on your platform personal experiences, give an intimate look onto your life, which is very much appreciative. And we can get into that as well. So, Isabel, thank you so much. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for the standing ovation and wonderful <laughs> introduction. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here. So, I mean, goodness, there's so much that we could talk about. Isabel, let's first talk about your journey. Who are you? Like, where are you going with everything that you do, influencing especially? Because I feel like when we hear the word influencer, it becomes such a negative word now. So how are you? And it's in especially, you know, coming on Sapphire's Earplay, talking about sexuality. How do you use influencing and sexuality and turn it into a positive thing, especially for women? Well, thank you so much for asking the question. And good question. I um I think everything kind of like felt very naturally to me. I started out modeling in New York with a friend of mine. And we will always take this really gorgeous lingerie, nude, semi-nude pictures. And one day we realized that, hey, there's a market out there to capitalize on that image. And the easiest way for me to grow on social media at the time was Twitter. I tried Instagram, but I didn't get it that much at the time. So I was like, you know what? Twitter comes easy for me. There's a lot less censorship. I can post whatever I want there. And it also has a really big male audience. So that was like a perfect combination to really expand my image there without as many restrictions. And also without as many comparison and beauty standards, because I remember Instagram back then, if you were not like a super top model with a ridiculously photoshopped body, or, you know, let's be honest here, a lighter skin tone, Mm -hmm. uh, people were not really checking for you like that. It didn't change that much today, but at least today you definitely see more of a diversity, which I love. And so, yeah, it started out on Twitter. And then from there, the pandemic came, OnlyFans blew up. And I was like, you know what? This is my chance to, you know, really run it out of the park. So I did that. I also blew up on Instagram. And today, uh, both combined platforms are like almost at a million for like Instagram and Twitter. Which is honestly fantastic. I didn't expect it to like grow this fast, honestly. And I am really grateful for the journey that I have so far. 
And when it comes to influencing, there's also something that came along because I realized, hey, I'm wearing very beautiful lingerie that people ask me about all the time. Why not start, you know, partnering with a brand? So that's where I'm heading right now. Partnering with more brands, lingerie, swimwear, and coming soon, fashion, beauty, and um, move forward from there. Because I always love, you know, posing for pictures, modeling, really sharing the beauty of what I'm wearing. And there's a lot of people out there who love it. Hey, I love it myself. When I see something beautiful in other women, I'm like, add it to the bag. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And also, again, it's beautiful to know that you've embraced and noticed and said, you know, like, I'm banking on my body. I feel like a lot of women, especially in this, you know, day and age where... Let's face it, you know, we got the city girl era. We've had the little Kim era. And especially in hip hop, it's like we know the sex sells. But it feels like now that there is this whole disconnect between women who want to sell their bodies and then the women who shun the women who want to sell their bodies and market it in any way possible. Very true. I think it's this eternal game of cat and mouse that has been happening for centuries if not millennia, the societal whore versus Madonna complex of, okay, you can kind of like tiptoe around selling sex, but you can't actually sell it. Mm. Oh my God. Point there. Because especially, and maybe you feel the same way. Do you feel that especially with the era of OnlyFans? And I've definitely talked about this, how, you know, we did see a rise in content creating when it came to adult more lingerie, fetish, you know, body image, if you will, sex selling Mm -hmm. and women just, you know, left and right. And like, I'm going to create an OnlyFans. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. But don't call it porn. Don't call it porn. Don't call it erotica. Just call it adult modeling. And I'm like, um, uh, that's all in the same umbrella. Why is it such a negative word for you? Would you say if someone says, oh, she sells porn clips or she sells body clips, she must be an adult star. Do you get like, do you feel like a disconnect? Do you correct people? Like, where would you say you classify yourself on on that when people ask you? That's actually a great question. From that standpoint, I understand both sides Mm -hmm. because people tend to automatically categorize OnlyFans as porn while it's really not always the case. So I always like to give freedom to people to classify themselves however they desire to classify themselves as. And at the end of the day, semantics are semantics because if somebody sells clips of God knows what and they're like, well, I'm not a porn star because I just sell clips and so be it. And also it's like a lot of people perceive different terminology differently because sometimes when people, let's say, they call me a porn star, it's like, okay, I'll take it. Perfectly fine, whatever you want to call me as. But I do identify more with adult modeling than being a quote-unquote porn star. Because I have, you know, some friends of mine who are porn stars. I've collaborated with porn stars. And for me, it's a term porn star. You actually need to be a star. You need to be, like, on brothers and have these big productions and I've never been a mainstream production girl. It's like, yes, I do OnlyFans. I've done porn before. And it's like, if people say, oh, she does porn, it's like, okay, fine, whatever you decide to call me as. But that's not necessarily the majority of my brand. So I think there's a lot of nuances there. Because if I recorded a few videos before, and for the most part, I collaborate with brands and post on Instagram and Twitter and chat with my fans, share clips, do vlogs, you know, do I really qualify as this huge porn star who's out there making these gorgeous movies and everything? And I do agree there is a stigma and a lot of people want to run away from the stigma. And I know that it's controversial, but I don't blame them either Mm. for running away from the stigma. Because why would they further put themselves in a difficult situation if they don't want to be there? I think a lot of people tend to like force labels on others. They're like, you have to label yourself as a sex worker. You have to label yourself as a porn star. You have to label yourself like this. This is who you are. And it's like, let's just focus on who we are ourselves. It's like, if you identify as this 
activist sex worker who preaches for the cause and everything, then build a community where people feel more comfortable being themselves in the first place versus further dividing everyone. Because listen, I think it's hypocritical to complain about stigma and then complain about the people who want to run away from the stigma. Because there's a, a lot of porn stars who like retired and build other brands outside porn because a few people want to admit that the adult industry has a glass ceiling. Mm. Mm. Has a glass ceiling. It has an expiration date. And there's ways to get around it. You can have your own studios and work for it in the long term. Does everybody want to do that? No. So it's like if somebody is like a Mia Khalifa decided, you know what, screw all that. I want to do my own thing and actually go way above and beyond staying in the adult industry. Because let's be honest here, if Mia Khalifa were shooting the same videos and decided to do the same old thing over and over again, she'll still be dealing with a lot of stigma and maybe the studio will have, you know, bounce her around, kick her out because the videos don't sell as much anymore and then there's a new girl coming in. So it's like, can you really blame her when she's like, you know what, I didn't feel comfortable in that industry and now this is who I am and this is who what I want to do. I think some people in the industry are bitter about it because they say, oh, how dare her, this is the industry made her and et cetera, and which is partially true. And I can see how there's a bit of a game here where it's like you do capitalize on where you started and then you use that leverage to move forward. And I don't blame them for moving forward. It's like, yes, it's a bit of storytelling here to further shock civilians about how bad the industry is. But then again, who we, who are we to, you know, deny her own experience? Exactly. Everybody should have a voice. Another example would be Lana Rhodes. She spoke against her time in the adult industry. She's like, hey, I didn't have that great of a time here. This is what happened to me. And now this is what I'm going to do. And once again, I do not blame her. She's not going to stay somewhere where she's stuck and where she does not feel comfortable and she doesn't feel like she can thrive. So it's like, if you really want to support sex workers and women in the adult industry or adult adjacent jobs, let's just support them in whatever they decide to do. Because mm. society is hard enough on us. We don't need that infighting and bitterness. I had to give that one because... <laughs> Thank you. So backstory, you know, you and I are just meeting for the first time, but I also work behind the scenes in the adult industry. I've been working in the industry for about 13, 14 years, almost as equivalent to being in the radio industry. And it is two different worlds, for sure. It is two different worlds. And everything that you just said, I totally, full-heartedly agree 100%. Because you do have the women who are in porn that wish to just have longevity. That's it. That's all they want to do. And then there's women who get in but they're also doing 50 billion other things. And so they see porn or the adult industry as the way in to get themselves out quick enough to go and disperse wherever they else want to plead, you know? Exactly. We've seen it with Chloe Cherry, who is now one of the biggest oh, yeah. stars in Euphoria, you know? Yes. Um, even just like recently, everybody's been talking about Cherie DeVille and how she's been speaking out against, you know, Instagram's sex censorship. And now she's going into the way of activism, which is great and dandy. But it's also like there is a very big disconnect when I talk to certain content creators who do OnlyFans, who have done, you know, softcore, hardcore porn, but they don't want to ever reflect on the industry that kind of kind of made them. And that's where I get a little upset because I'm like, if you did not have that outlet, you would have nothing. You know what I mean? Mm. You would have nothing. It's almost like you do have to go back and look at your roots and where you came from to kind of get to the next higher level. And I love how mm. you said that because, again, it's not an industry for everybody. It's not a get rich, get quick, get in and out kind of thing. You do have to put some work in. And I think there are a lot of women and just people in general who think that just putting up a couple clips here and there is going to make them millions of dollars. But then when the high in demand comes, then it's like, oh, I don't want to do it. I got what I wanted. That's it. But they don't think about the consequences, which is, of course, once it's on the Internet, it's already out there. 
Yeah. It's there for life. Very true. So with that said, would you say for yourself, being a, you know, adult model, being in lingerie and, you know, being a beautiful, curvaceous woman, would you say that this has helped your confidence? Like where has, you know, shedding yourself for the world to see built that confidence? Was it always in you? Was it something that you kind of gradually worked up to, you know, when you're like, okay, maybe this time I'll show a little bit more, you know, and that's more comforting. Cause I've heard women and just people in general who have said the minute they started doing more nude work, nude artwork, nude print, that's when their confidence really built because it's like the world's going to see me and I want the world to know that my body can also reflect theirs. Especially when you're not talking about our usual small teeny teeny A cup, you know, size nine or one, if you will. I'm talking full figured, regular everyday bodies that people can see and be like, I can do that. That's a very, very interesting take because I've always, I feel like I've always been really comfortable in my body. And while there are, there is some, you know, issues here and there where some days I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I was a little more fit or whatever. And it's like, it just doesn't really last long. And it's like a lot of people go through that. So I think one thing that really helped me with my confidence is just to just show up every day, no matter how I judge myself. Mm -hmm. And as time goes along, I shun away from the self-judgment. And I try to be as accountable as possible to be like, this is not about others. This is about me and how I perceive myself. Because people sometimes, you know, they underestimate the open-mindedness of the public. Mm. It's like sometimes people are like, oh my goodness, there's these picture, topless pictures of me out there and, you know, the world is going to end, but really, it's really not that. It hasn't been the case for me. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, I live a pretty normal life and most adult entertainers I know also do. It's like sometimes, yeah, you'll have fans coming up to you and say hi, which is sweet, you know, and it's respectful, it's kind. And besides that, you know, it is, it's pretty neat, you know, I am, I've been comfortable with it and uh, I wasn't always a curviest woman. I've been thin before. Now I'm on my curvier side era, you know, (laughs) and either way, it's been fine. It's like, yes, you're going to have some trolls and insecure people projecting on you. Be like, ah, you know, you look better when you were smaller or whatever. And it's like, you know what? More power to you. You can leave. Mm-hmm. And either way, I've learned to see beauty in me no matter what, because it is there no matter what. So that's just fundamental that I have and the one that's going to carry me over time. Because I think it's very easy to get into this... Um, this really toxic cycle of self-depreciation and negative self-talk and self-comparison, especially as an Instagram model, because people see them online and be like, oh my gosh, you know, that's very unrealistic for me, which a lot of times it is. But they don't realize that this girl also has unrealistic standard for herself because she's not the only one here who does who's comparing. That girl that you see might be comparing herself to some other girl out there who is perceived as sexier and hotter and more popular and etc. And it's, then you get into that weird, once again, really shallow cycle of competition based on looks and etc. Which is a negative sum game because at the end of the day, we're all going to die. We're not going to be young and beautiful forever. The popular in crowd that was there 20 years ago is not the same one now. Man. Who exactly is winning this game? I don't know. And that's that's a big thing. Like for like personally for me, that's the biggest struggle that I have now. I feel that, you know, I am in a more curvier side of my life than I was mm-hmm. before. Before I was in high school doing sports, even in college, I 
you know, went to the gym and stuff. But then the pandemic hit. Gyms oh, closed. Yeah. I got a second job. Now it's kind of hard for me to hit the gym the way I used to, you know, before the world changed, if you will. And lately, I've been trying to, you know, shed my skin a little bit more, to be a little bit more comfortable. Because if I'm doing a podcast last, a, a podcast like this, a show like mm-hmm. this for years, where I'm talking about how genuine and into my sex life I am, that I don't give a fuck, I'll brag about the sex, the orgies, everything that I ever do, that I am yeah. so comfortable in my body. But yeah, I, I look at it. myself. Yeah, you love it. And yet I look at myself sometimes and I'm like, why the fuck? Why the fuck are my partners with me? I don't see, you know, what others see. You know, I then you go to the comments, which I know is like the dreadful thing, which you're never supposed to do on social media is go to the comments and engage. But when people are telling you you're obese, lose some weight, you're a poster child for being fat, that's not right. And then especially being a woman of color or a queer woman of color, you know, I've heard it from all ends of the spectrum where, oh, it's always the polyamorous folks that are ugly and fat. Like, why are you advertising that? You know what I mean? And it's like, did I come to your house and shit on your lawn? Why are you shitting on mine? (laughs) I'm over here trying to better myself. The clowns of the internet is like, you know what? If somebody's making those kind of hideous comments, chances are they feel like crap about themselves in the first place and are projecting. So the way I see it is like I would already put them in that category. And this is not a category I tolerate on my platform. So immediately they're they're kicked out because my platform is actually a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. This is not democracy where you can be miserable on your phone, scroll around and take your time to comment stupid stuff. It's like, you're free to find me beautiful. You're free to find me unattractive. And you're free to just scroll along and move on. Like the majority of people who don't care about me or my content or etc. And when it comes to like the stigmatization and prejudice against uh, polyamorous folks, um, have you they heard about like swingers clubs, you know? For real. <laughs> like everybody thinks I... I, I feel and I do blame a lot of porn. I mean, listen, we can all blame porn for a lot of things because mm-hmm. for the longest porn had a certain image. If you weren't a size zero or one, two, that's it. Like we said, paler complexion, blonde, mm-hmm. skin, you know, blonde hair. That's it. Then it's like mm-hmm. the black girls get into porn. Ebony porn has been around for as long as, you know, the dawn of age. But there's mm-hmm. also been that aesthetic of black girls. And now we're seeing more bimbovacation happening even amongst black women. So now it's like making it harder for people to be like, well, I can't get into porn. I don't have, you know, injectables. Yeah. I don't look like these girls that I may get off to by myself or to my partners. And then, of course, you see it on television. It's like there's a certain age weight tolerance of who's curvy mm-hmm. on the camera exactly it's kind of like the same old rigid rules about what looks sell mm-hmm. and etc i think a lot of times the executives at these places are stuck in their own ways and don't necessarily understand the variety and open-mindedness of the public i was funny enough i was actually um listening to a podcast that edward Enninfold the ex, um, uh, I believe, editor-in-chief of British Vogue said mm-hmm. about, you know, when he appeared at, uh, when he started working at British Vogue's, it was very, you know, stereotypical white women on the covers because people assumed that women of color did not sell. So it's that prejudice that is still entrenched in media to this day that thankfully is going away because when he came there, we saw these beautiful covers of Beyonce, black celebrities, brown celebrities, diversity that he wanted to implement there and see because that's who he always worked with. And he said, you know what? Why not put it all, put it out there? And he realized that, hey, the numbers, the financials are through the roof mm. because people buy into diversity. All these corporations, they're not putting diversity chief officers and out, out there for nothing. That's corporations true. care about money. 
diversity sells. But people then again hold on to their own prejudice, especially on, for example, Love Island. And I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought Love Island up because that is the this is boring. It's like, where are, where's the diversity there? Right. Where's the interestingness there? I want people that are interesting. And it's a carbon copy of each other. 22-year-olds, skinny, long, maybe black and tall, model looks great. But what else? Right. There's always a certain prototype. And it doesn't matter what the dating show is. But Love Island is the perfect example because they're in bikinis. Like 90% of the time, they're in bikinis, they're in swim trunks. And I have yet to see someone like yourself, Isabel, especially, full-figured, Gorgeous in lingerie, gorgeous in swimwear, getting some love on the island. Like, what is exactly. so wrong about that? And then even when you come to American television, because I'm t- we're talking Love Island, UK and Australia. Fuck yeah. USA. Like, but the American dating shows, we've all seen it. It's all the same prototype. There is no real full-figured woman. In fact, I think the first time I actually did fall in love with seeing a full-figured woman in a reality show was Anissa. Anissa on Real World. She was um, in the Chicago season. She was a lesbian, and she was a nudist. And she was curvy. And she was curvy. And it was great. She had a great storyline coming from a nudist colony growing up. But, you know, the house kind of ostracized her for being naked and full figured and being queer and just being so free with her body. And it's like, no, fuck that. When you look at it, it's been now almost 30 years since her season had aired. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm aging myself like that. But it's been like 20, 30 years since that season. And it still holds to this day to me of why I felt like it's okay to shed some skin. It's okay Mm -hmm. as a full-figure woman, as a queer woman, to try to be comfortable at sex parties to get naked. When I started going to sex parties about five, six years ago, I didn't even have sex at the parties. I didn't take my top off. Mm -hmm. I refused because I felt like, one, I felt like I was on the menu because I was young. And a lot of these Mm -hmm. sex parties and swinger parties a little bit older crowded even the ones that they say oh we we love the 20 year olds no you love the 20 year olds because you're 60 and up looking for some <laughs> young thing thing <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so it's you know but that's what I also love about going to sex parties and going to more kink centered events because you see literally everybody that's Ev- good everybody I love <laughs> I love it how some places celebrate everyone mm-hmm. don't ostracize and I think a lot of that is internal it's like nobody forces you to feel sexually attracted or intimate with someone but there is a basic level of respect where it's like Sometimes people, as soon as they see that somebody's overweight or not the way they expect them to look, it's like, ugh, get away from my face. For real. And it's like, that's a reflection on you because if you if that's the way you think, then you might really reconsider how you feel about yourself in the first place to project that disdain on others. It costs nothing to be kind and considerate. Nothing. Mm. Are we really losing out on these people? I made the conclusion that, you know what, if somebody is being weird and, you know, standoffish because I look a certain way, you know what, great, get away from me, please. (laughs) So um, then I can welcome the love that is actually given to me. And that's something that I make sure that I honor like for example easy um easy examples is the comment section because for every negative comment there's going to be 10 or hundreds of positive ones and i make sure to really appreciate those like them if i can reply i reply because these are people who love and support me versus you know the goofball who's like ooh, she can't wait blah 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 and it's like, you know what? Great. You know, you're out of here. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. We're going to take a quick sexy break and then coming right back with Isabel. When it comes to porn, what excites you the most? Is it the thrill of opening up your laptop or secretly hiding underneath the covers after a nice raunchy romp with your partner just to enhance the pleasure point a bit further? Well, if you're listening to this, I'm going to tell you about Afterglow. Afterglow is porn that centers your pleasure without the ick. No annoying pop-ups, guided masturbations for bigger and better orgasms, partner exercises to improve communication, intimacy, and sex. And if you're ever curious what happens after a porn wraps, you're going to love the exclusive behind-the-scene interviews with performers and filmmakers. And guess what? The folks at Afterglow is giving you a seven-day free trial on behalf of Sapphire's Earplay. Use the code SAPPHIRE for a seven-day free trial at xoafterglow.com. That's X-O-A-F-T-E-R-G-L-O-W.com. What are you waiting for? Check it out right now and you'll thank me later. Now back to the orgasm. All right. Again, get that code from Afterglow. The link is in the bio of this episode. And let me tell you, it's far beyond just erotica. It is sexual wellness, if you will, classes, tutorials. I guess classes are tutorials, if you will. But look at the erotica that caters to you. Share it with your partner. Share it with your loved ones. Seven day free. Just do it, y'all. Just do it. Welcome back with Isabel. Oh my goodness. We have been talking so much like good gems and I want to circle back on a couple things. Again, talking about sex cells and just gaining that confidence. Now, let's talk about the bedroom confidence because I feel that maybe you can relate with this too. Have you ever felt yourself sometimes where you're in the bedroom, you might be on top, And you kind of get that like shyness of letting your curves just touch your partner's body or let your partner touch your curves. For me, it was like the longest I'd never liked my stomach being touched during sex. Mm, Good question. Um, Honestly, I never felt it because I realized if somebody is in the bedroom with me, they're here for me and Mm -hmm. everything that comes with it. So if they're in the bedroom with me, chances are they already love my curves. And they, like, I feel it. That's they love my curve. So, you know, let them embrace it. Mm-hmm. I embrace what they do. And it works out well that way. But um, when we think about self-consciousness, I don't know. It's like, I think the bedroom journey is somewhere where I feel really free and open and that self-consciousness is not really there maybe sometimes when i'm on top and i get tired <laughs> yeah. then i feel like oh maybe they think i'm lazy but that's fine they'll get over it <laughs> <laughs> they're with the baddie in the bedroom they're fine they're being blessed there we go but you know i feel that sometimes even if the cameras are off and a lot of people do say cameras off i'm at my full confidence lights on lights off But when I'm on camera, I'm thinking about what may happen with once it's out there. You know, how are people going to respond and receive? I might think Mm -hmm. I look bomb as hell and then someone's in the comments being a clown. But like you said earlier, you know, for every clown, there's like 10 to 100 other positive reinforcement comments. So how would you say for someone who may just want to start embracing their body, showing off their body a little bit more and modeling where can they find from the bedroom confidence to the on-camera mm-hmm. confidence? Because I know there's sometimes there could be two different connections and a disconnect when it comes to that. Because again, you're sharing your body with just one person or many people, however you live your best sex life, however you get it in. But then also when you're sharing it with the camera, the world is seeing this, can- you know, seeing yourself through that lens and that's it. Good question. I think let yourself kind of like embrace it naturally mm-hmm. and not force things. Because let's say that on camera you feel different and not as confident. Just take it slow. If you want to film by yourself, do it by yourself. Because the thing about filming, especially if it's just you or, you know, taking your own pictures, you don't have to publish it right away. Mm. It doesn't have to go out there to the world right away. 
So I think a good thing to prep yourself for is just to just take content for yourself. Just do it for yourself. If you want to share it with your partner, great. But, um, you know, take your own nudes and keep it. <laughs> Be ready to, like, get it out there. Do the, the practice nudes, if you will. Exactly, exactly. Because then you start getting more comfortable in the camera, seeing your body. And to some extent, you will get the sense that I saw it. You're like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, my phone, there's hundreds of nudes of me. It's like, whatever. I'm used to it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's like, also, there's so many people out there who do porn who are not necessarily 10 out of 10s or supermodels. And I think that's actually the majority of the porn industry is like, not everybody out there is like somebody who's uh, on a full cover or, or anything like that. A lot of people in porn look normal. The women look, you know, there's a higher standard for the women. But at the same time, there's also, especially with OnlyFans, way, 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 way more diversity in body size. Because I know women of any size, age, you know, background, who does OF. Women who look like you, women who look like me, women who are older, shorter, much bigger. And mm -hmm. there's an audience out there who'll be like, oh my goodness, I'm in love. I love that. So sometimes we overthink about how the public will perceive us. And most of the times the people that are out on Pornhub and going out of their way to click on your video... They like what they see. That's true. And, you know, it also brings it to the point of like, I wish people would stop saying that they secretly love a bigger, full-figured woman. That shouldn't be ever a secret. You know, there are beautiful, full-figured people out there who are just mm -hmm. wanting to be loved and reciprocated. But when you start hiding it like a secret, I think it was, um, yes, it was, a couple weeks ago in old clip, of Howard Stern pulled up and it was him interviewing John Cena, the wrestler. Mm -hmm. And he had talked about, you know, fucking a bigger woman. He was with a group of his guys and, you know, he did jokingly say like, I did take one for the team, but it was a beautiful experience. And Howard Stern just couldn't wrap around his head that John Cena fucked a bigger woman. And it's like, it's pussy. A man is not going to reject pussy, especially if the pussy comes with personality. I would never reject somebody for having a good personality and say, oh, no, that's a no-go zone because of their body. I joked around in years ago and I said, I can never have sex with a man with bigger titties than me. I still have never fucked a bigger man, but I also don't fuck a lot of men. But if there was a man who made that exception, made me laugh treated me you know well and I'm like oh maybe you're doing things to me and you got bigger titties than me maybe I will have that experience you know I'm not gonna like knock it until I try it kind of thing so coming yes. back to that it's like you know talking about the dating life where do you think sex sells in dating versus sex selling or if there is a difference of sex selling on just OnlyFans or would you say it's almost kind of like the same because people swipe with what they like, but there's mm -hmm. also that like secret, I can't like it on my, my dating profile, but I'll like you and buy your clips secretly on OnlyFans. But I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm into big women. I'm going to keep swiping on all the skinny women on a dating app, be seen with a skinny woman on a dating app, but I secretly like full-figured women. Hmm... Well, in that case, I think, yes, there is this category of men. But I honestly felt when I was dating, I mean, I didn't feel like my partners were seeing me in a fetishy way, mm -hmm. personally. I think, like, the thing that I felt like sort of fetishizing a bit was my status online. Like, wow, I'm this Instagram model. <laughs> and I don't know, especially in America, where it's like, eh. Do I really want to give them that opportunity? I don't know. <laughs> so I always felt like dating was a bit overwhelming for me at that time because it's either people don't think you're real on the profiles, they think you're a fake profile or whatever. And then it's like, oh, they see you as this, as this, you know, this Instagram model. Oh, yeah. And it's like, 
there's also men out there who just see you as a person, a beautiful woman that they love to date and embrace. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of men out there who do love curvier women. So it's not necessarily about, you know, I think, especially nowadays, about being thin, but it also depends on their, on their friend group. Because they're like, oh, so if their friends are judgmental, then chances are they'll be judgmental themselves. Because they'll be like, oh, my friend is going to think something funny about me if I see this girl. So I'm going to keep it on the low. Right. So I don't know. I feel like sometimes I felt like I had the opposite problem. (laughs) You know, they'll be FaceTiming with their friend. And I felt like, you know what, I'm not a show pony. So, um, you know... I, there's a nuance there because I do like discretion and privacy when it comes to dating and intimacy. But um, when it comes to like this whole weird fetishy thing, there's so many options out there. If you feel like somebody is treating you like a secret, chances are they are. So mm-hmm. I think one good thing that women need to do is to not gaslight themselves. I feel like if you're dating someone, unless it's just you consider them a booty call and you don't want to be seen in public with, with them either. Right. And they should be at least taking you out, you know, treating you well. And if you decide to be intimate with them, great. But you should not be a weird secret. 1000%. Would you say also in the lines of sex selling, there is a cultural divide on that too? Like if you go outside of the Americas, I feel that depending upon where you're dating or where you might be doing content creation, bigger bodies are praised. Oh, good question. I think it's the opposite because America praises bigger bodies more than Europe. Really? A hundred percent. Europe, maybe the UK is a bit more open-minded. I did miss the UK is a bit more open-minded than let's say France or Italy. Mm-hmm. Because I've noticed there is like once they see bigger bodies as an ailment, it's like, oh, you're overweight. There's something wrong with you. Wow. Because a lot of are different. It's a lot less, a lot less sedentary than America, and the quality of the food there is also more regulated. So and have better work-life balance. So it's easier there to be fit than here. Mm-hmm. And but it's also very cultural. They do have that you know skinny white beauty, you know European-centric ideal of beauty. So if somebody doesn't necessarily fall in line with that then you're kind of like an oddity, I'll, I believe. Because sometimes I go in the shop there and it's like, you know, the size, a size, a, a large there in Spain is not necessarily the same large that's here in LA. Right, exactly, exactly. I Nothing offends me more when they say, oh yeah, we got, we got 2XL and it's clearly an extra large. It's clearly a large or a medium, if you will. I do remember going to when I went to Italy and I was like, I really can't find anything even as a 16 year old girl because I had. Oh, yeah. Really, it's rough. It's rough. Like it's rough if you're not an extra small good luck. Oh, my God. And yet it was so crazy because the Italian men drooled. They drooled over black skin, curvy body. It was like almost mm-hmm. on display. And then, of course, you know, you go into Nigerian cultures and, you know, I'm West Indian. So from Barbados and Jamaica mm-hmm. yes. and it's like. Bigger is better. They, you know, they try to say. Yeah. And I love that. But also, I feel there is that disconnect even here. When you meet Americanized Nigerian men. It's like they, they do want the childbearing hips woman, but also they still rather be seen with the the skinny influencer you know mm-hmm. fair skin model i'm like well how oh, could yeah. you say that you embrace all of a black woman you know has to offer but you only want to be seen with me at certain things maybe at certain cultural mm-hmm. events versus like out in the club in vegas or out in a club on a rooftop in new york it's so weird yeah. to me so so weird to me that there's still just like these little here and there's like oh you're sexy and cute, but only sexy for this type of event. Only on this night of the week, that kind of thing. It's so crazy. And then when you put it in all perspective in, you know, the aspect of marketing, it's kind of like there is still that, especially now in radio, because they want to see more of us. 
Mm -hmm. They want more of the radio jocks to be more glammed up. And they want us to start looking like news reporters. And I'm like, we did not get in this industry in the first place to be seen. So now you're telling me I might have to drop a little weight. Now you're telling me I got to put a little bit more makeup on. And I have to look the way I sound. When I first heard that, I was like, exactly. And yet I'm told my voice is too seductive to be on certain radio stations. Like... (laughs) God, <laughs> would you would you rather me sell your product if sex sells, then let my voice sell the product, sell the station? You know what? It's almost like they don't want people who fall outside the norm to be desired. Yes, and also also that weird dichotomy of oh we like you, but and just. Font is a wayside. This is too dangerous. Right. It's, if it's, it's we can't like tweak people it. People are there for you, for your personality, and it's a big package. And there's going to be an audience that's like, oh my gosh, where's, where, where's Sapphire? We want to see her because we love her. And they don't want to really open that gate because I feel like to some extent it challenges their own perception of the world. It challenges their own perception of society because they want to still feel like society only likes a certain type of women and certain ideal of femininity and a certain ideal of beauty. And they're like, maybe your beauty ideals only go so far. Mm. Maybe a lot of it is in your head, maybe your social circles. And even there, it's kind of forced because it's a group of people, a group of guys that are like, oh, I like this girl and I like that girl and I like this and I like that. But I also feel like there's a counterbalance to it. Let's say, for example, the Nigerian man who is maybe more personalized, has a higher social status and want to be perceived um, to be a certain way around certain women, then it's going to, to be very challenging for him to be himself and say, hey, I like this girl. Because then the other guys are going to be like, ooh, what's wrong with you? You can right. do something that and then it's also constraints on their relationship because she goes somewhere and then the guys are sneakering <laughs> and it's like and then the girl might feel comfortable it's like why am i even here your friends are dicks so then he settles for this other girl he's attracted to he's like okay this is fine i'm i like her as well and she's safe so it's, it's safe but also does it really mean that he's loyal to her that's another counter-interaction because I also noticed that people that are overly fixated on beauty see it as a commodity and they miss out on the uniqueness that makes you as a person. So because you're a commodity, you're easily replaceable. Mm-hmm. So if you're the guy is there for your looks, the blonde hair, the blue eyes and the skinny body, Next day, it's just going to be your carbon copy out there. Next, the other day, it's going to be your carbon copy out there. And there's going also to be that pressure on the girls. Like, oh, I have, I have to, to be this way. I have to be this way. And it's like, you don't really feel as loved and respected as you should be. So sometimes people, I feel like we miss those fundamentals. And we, you're, we're too stuck on looks. But looks, they fade people change. So there's an essence to the person that sometimes people are missing. And they're like, that's why sometimes we see to celebrities and uh, really popular men and athletes with stunning women, but it's almost like it's never enough for them. It's a culture in, of never being satisfied. That's, yeah. that's kind of like where we're at now, even in this digital era, as we wrap up this digital era, it's like, we're never quite satisfied on social media 100%. You know, you might get 2 million likes one day and then only 50 likes the next. It's never like a consistent model. And I feel that, you know, while it can be a booster, it can be a confidence booster. You know, I was talking about it in therapy earlier today. It's kind of like, I'm tired of social media becoming such a popularity contest where people have to feel the pressure to look a certain way and that's the social standard of what's going to make them pop what's going to make them sell harder it's not you know genuine 
personality anymore. It's, oh, if they shed more clothes, that's fine. That's going to get the like right there. But the minute they put those clothes on or the minute they show a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, oh, fuck that. They're gone. We're out of here. Pull out now. They're not selling the brand. If sex sells, then let all aspects of sex sell. Oh, yes. Okay. Let all aspects of sex. I'm talking full frontal, full figured, all different shapes, sizes, you know, disabilities, if you will. Okay. Amputees can be sexy. I've seen them. Women with vitiligo, sexy. Oh, yes. Okay. Let sex sell and stop putting a cap on what is the meaning of sex selling as we've been talking about it's all about that confidence it is but i think at the end of the day the great news is that cap is slowly blowing off because anything that's forced there's going to be a counter force and then the truth itself will be settled Mm. goodness i think we can end it on that because that's that's the way it has to be. I do see it. It has to be more of it. And we just have to continue that. And what you've been saying to me today, it's like, it's. I'm going to go back to this. And I'm like, I, I got to pull up a couple mantras from what you were saying and work on my own self. And I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that you, you know, you learn from our conversation as well. Of course. <laughs> so, Isabel, where can people get in touch with you? What's coming up if, you know, people want to get more of you? Like, where can they find you? Do you have any events or speaking engagements that people can tap into? Oh, great. Uh, Yes. So you can find me on Twitter at Isabel Miller X. Same thing for Instagram, Isabel Miller X. On YouTube is Isabel Miller. On TikTok, it is It's Isabel Miller. Perfect. So... Yeah, you can find me on all these social media platforms. And any speaking engagements or anything coming up soon? No speaking engagements. Perfect. People can still get in touch with you, which is great. See your content, see your beauty in essence. And of course, I will drop all those links in the bio of this episode for you guys to tap in, give some love to Isabel. Trust me, y'all won't. Y'all won't regret it. Thank you, everyone. It was a pleasure being here with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, got a special episode talking about sex and disabilities with Andrew Gerza. He is the founder of Bumpin'. It's a sex toy company and it's founded for and by disabled people. So we're going to talk all about that. Might get a little serious, might get a little funny, but nonetheless, it's going to be the perfect orgasm. Remember, you can reach me at Ms. Radio Sapphire. That's M-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E at MsRadioSapphire.com. Sapphire is your play on Instagram at Ms. Radio Sapphire on Instagram, of course. Remember that safe sex is the best hot sex. Till next time, good night. That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Remember to follow at Ms. Radio Sapphire and Sapphire's Earplay on Instagram. Want some eargasms of the past and future? Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all streaming platforms.